Throwing birthday parties is one of my all-time favorite things to do. I really geek out on the entire planning process, thinking of a theme that surrounds the entire experience from the entry to the decorations, to the treats, to the games, to the costumes. Yes, you heard that right. We have had several parties throughout the years where costumes were a priority. Costumes were a requirement. Harry Potter comes to mind where we also had really wonderful decorations, floating candles in our dining room, stations where we got to actually take herbology, and I am doing air quotes, and potions. We made potions with fun things like corn syrup and dye. We had a great time, and I kind of get a little sad knowing that my kiddos don't necessarily want parties like that anymore. I would take great efforts in creating what I hoped would be keepable party favors. None of those dollar store party favors, even though those swirly straws are so much fun. But I would sew reusable sandwich bags out of soccer material. I sewed handmade owls one year, not the really fancy kind, but handmade owls for an owl-themed birthday party. For my youngest son's very first birthday party, it was a very hungry caterpillar theme, and I made t-shirts with iron-on printables for all of the kids. That was their party favor. I'm a big fan of creating party favors that really make an impact. And so today, you guessed it. We are celebrating and I have party favors for you. All of you have been around, I don't know how long actually, but the podcast has been around for two years and we have grown like crazy. Some of you have been here the entire time. Some of you have joined recently and gone back to listen to all of them. And some of you are brand new. No matter where you are on the journey, we are celebrating you today because it's you who's making this podcast run. It is you who is keeping my motivation alive so that I can keep sharing all of the tips and tricks and tutorials with all of you for how to create a home that you absolutely love. And if you don't, that is the goal. We want to create a home that you love coming home to, a home that is a respite from the world outside, a home that you delight in, a home that you're proud to bring your friends home to, that you can not show off in a braggy way, but that you can feel really good about opening your doors and saying, come on in, friend. I'm glad you're here. We are celebrating you today. And we are doing that with, yeah, you guessed it, party favors, party favors that I hope, I think you're going to enjoy. Now, let me tell you how today's going to work. Today, if you're brand new here, this is not normal. (laughs) We have a fun little behind the scenes sneak peek at what it takes to run a podcast. I asked for questions and boy, did you guys deliver some of these questions I've been holding up and storing for a little for a little while others I've gotten just recently, but no matter where the questions come from, these give you a behind the scenes peek at what it's like to have a podcast, what it's like to do home decorating as a job, what it's like to maybe even have three boys and a pink piano. That is one of the questions, maybe even well you get the idea. So stick around. You do not need to take any notes today. This is all going to be fun. And we're going to take a break here and there in order to announce some party favors. Okay. So because parties are fun and because I had too many questions submitted to answer all in one episode, here's what's going to happen. When you hear this sound... I'm going to spin for a new question. Okay? And I'll answer that one. And then when you hear this sound, 
that is me getting ready to announce a party favor. All right, here we go. Let's have fun. Okay, this question, what is the biggest budget you've ever worked with to design someone's home? And then the other one is what is the smallest? Okay, the biggest budget I've worked with, which I've only done one time, was about $25,000. And that one was, it was a full home furnishing. We weren't, you know, demoing walls or anything. We were just furnishing the entire house, literally the entire house. (laughs) And this client had really great taste, wanted quality furnishings. And we probably got the project done in, I don't know, three months time from beginning to end. But that is the largest amount of money that I've ever worked with. And it was fun. It was a beautiful design. It's super comfortable and very, very much them. Okay, the smallest budget. Well, little did you know, maybe you did know this. I was, the one of the things that I did before being hired to do home decorating was I was hired to be a home stager. And I worked with one realtor in the, the area who was needing a little bit of help. He wanted to offer staging as a service for his clients, which is admirable and wonderful, but he paid me pennies, pennies. I did the math after year, not years. I only did it for one year. I said, I will do it for one year. And that is, I'll give it a try to see how it goes. But after doing it a few times and realizing how much work it was using my own things, because I do have a shop, I was pulling inventory from there and using my own things, even for my own house and just washing it and taking it in and to the home, furnishing it, bringing it home, washing it. It was a lot of work. It was more than 10 hours per job. And I got paid, well, I had zero budget. What I did get paid was $125. You do the math. If we did 10 hours, and that's kind of a low end, (laughs) I was getting paid $12.50 per hour to stage a home. And you heard me say, I reevaluated that and said, uh, this isn't going to work for me <laughs> in a very polite way. He ended up moving and, um, but it was a great experience. It was a really great experience to try to practice what people had been telling me all around, all along that I had a talent in and it was a really great jumping off place. So I'm very happy for it, even though it literally made me pennies. Great question. Ooh, this is a fun one too. You guys asked really great questions. Okay, this one says, in your intro, intro to the podcast, you mentioned that you were a first grade teacher and now you're a decorator. Are there any other jobs you had along the way? Okay, yes, there are. And you just heard one, um, staging staging homes. So I went to school to become a first grade teacher. I knew that I wanted to be a teacher from a very, very early age. In fact, my parents tell me a story about when I was, they say two, that feels very young to me, but they know I don't, (laughs) where I sat them all down. Well, 
the my parents and my older sister. I have four other siblings, um, but they were probably too busy to listen to a two-year-old. Sat them all down and we had a chalkboard at home and we played school. Well, and what that looked like was I played school and I told them what to do and I drew scribbles on the chalkboard. <laughs> so my parents were not surprised that I went into teaching. And I taught for several years. I taught for about eight years or so teaching first grade. I got my master's degree in reading and literacy so I could really dive in and teach those little guys how to learn how to read. And I loved, loved, loved doing that. But then I had Owen. Owen is now 16, so you can do the math. But when Owen was little, I wasn't really very good at sitting still. I loved staying home, but I also got really bored during nap time. And babies sleep a lot. They sleep a lot, which is a good thing. They are growing. They need that sleep. But I could only read so many books. I could only read. I could only clean the house so much. And I use that nap time to tutor, privately tutor kiddos. Somewhere along the line, I became a children's pastor for my church, and I did that for about six years. And then I also started a baby boutique. And my world was babies at the time. Owen, I was creating things for Owen all the time. Those nap times, I needed to do something. And so I started sewing things. And I was not a very good seamstress. I just was not at the very beginning. My mom was would help me. And of course, helping meant calling on the phone. And she would give me advice. And she would encourage me. And she would tell me what to do. But we didn't have FaceTime. My mom didn't have a smartphone. And I think FaceTime back then wasn't a thing. Um, but she would just tell me how to do things. When she'd come out and visit, she would show me a little bit more. And of course, I watched as I was growing up and watched what she did. I put it all to use and I decided, you know what would be really fun? If I had a booth at the farmer's market. So that's what I did. And it was a bustling farmer's market. So when Owen was, I don't know, 18 months old and I was pregnant with my second kiddo, I opened a booth at the farmer's market and the very first picture was so cute in the, in the sense that like cute in the, oh, you tried (laughs) kind of way. I had one table and I had some sewed, sewn products. Um, I think it probably made some homemade soaps as well. I sewed hooded towels. I sewed a few blankets. It was very charming. It was very cute. It was not worth stopping for. But it grew. It grew. My skills grew. And I decided to make it a little bit bigger. And I was having some success with it. Plus, it was just such a fun environment. So I did that. That was also at the time when Etsy was a brand new thing. And I had a store on Etsy. And I had... uh, clients worldwide and I did shows where I would go I would travel a little bit and I would set up my cute little booth because now it was cute and it got bigger and bigger and when we moved from Iowa that was all in Iowa when we moved from Iowa to Washington that momentum that was built um, pretty strongly around this baby boutique kind of dwindled a little bit I had a brand new baby and Um, two little ones, a a toddler and a preschooler, and a brand new home. And I was interested in making friends, kind of getting established in our local area. 
and decorating this new home. And so that business fizzled, even though I tried for a little while to keep it going, but it was pretty robust and it was a great, great side income. When my little guy went back to kindergarten or went to kindergarten, I dipped my, my foot in the subbing pool and I still have that sub certification, even though technically I had my teacher certification, but I still do that yearly because every once in a while I like to hang out with what I call the breakfast club. <laughs> and those are kiddos at the middle school who need a little extra support. They might've had a little trouble hanging out with their peers in class in the traditional setting. And so every once in a while I get called in to hang out with them and get them back on track. And I love that. It is, it's usually a quick little, maybe uh, a week, maybe two months. It's just a quick little thing. Um, the other thing that I've done between teaching and now is <laughs> not everyone's very favorite thing to do, but I was a basketball ref for a couple seasons. When I was asked to do it, I laughed out loud. I thought they were joking. I thought there's no way in God's green earth am I going to do this. I ended up having a blast and I had a great partner who showed me the ropes. Of course, I miscalled things. Of course, I was that ref who couldn't see a thing or whatever people say about refs, but nobody, nobody loves their refs. We know that, right? I, I wouldn't win either way, but the thing I did win with this experience was that my kiddo, Owen, my oldest, he was playing sixth grade basketball at the time. And so I got front row on the court next to him, view, vantage point of him playing. It was pretty awesome. So that was great. And then of course, um, now you've heard me allude to this idea of my kind of steady paying job where I coach middle school sports from November to June. I coach boys basketball, girls basketball, and volleyball. And I do that because the design, although it's so much fun and wonderful, it is a growing business and it is not a steady income. So it ebbs and it flows and it's sometimes unpredictable, but there are bills to pay. So I do have that steady income with the coaching gig. Ooh, you know what that means. Okay. The first party favor. All right, friends. So I don't know who is listening and I would love to be able to pull names out of a hat, but I just can't do that. But what I can do is I can tell you what the party favor is and how to win it. Okay. The winning it is going to be the same for all of them. So here's what you do. In Apple Podcast, I want you to find Fig and Farm at Home, and I want you to leave a five-star review and write a written review underneath it. Now, I'm going to give you the step-by-step directions because some of you may or may not know how to do this. So when you go to Apple Podcast, type in my name, Fig and Farm at Home, and I will pop up. Scroll halfway down the page, and you're going to see some stars. When you see the stars, you can click on as many as you want, but the qualification for winning these party favors only happens with a five-star review and a written note. Now, you can leave whatever you would like in the written note. Of course, kindness goes a long way. And if you have learned something on the show, if you have applied something that I've taught into your own home, if you have a favorite episode, share away. You can share that there. Now, the thing with Apple Podcast reviews is I don't know who is leaving them other than the name that's already populating on their computer. 
<clears throat> so what I need you to do is then take a screenshot of that review and email it to me, hello at figandfarmathome.com, and that is your entry in order to win the thing. Now, in that email, I want you to say which party favor you would like to be considered for. And there's going to be a few, so you can just say which one you would like to be considered for. This one, of course, are you ready? This one is the $50 Target gift card. You know that I am a big fan of Target. I'm a big fan of shopping on a budget at places like Wayfair, Target, Ikea, but I'm not a big fan of just shopping only there. These are stores where you want to buy a few things here and there, and there are so many treasures to be had. Once you understand what your design aesthetic is, shopping at places like this is so much fun. So you get $50 to spend how you want at Target. And you know what? If you just want to buy $50 worth of fruit snacks, that's fine too. But I would love it if you bought something for your home. Now, with any of these entries, if you have already left a review, thank you so much. By the way, it just means so much to me. And reviews allow other people just like you to find the show. So that's why we ask for them, we meaning me and any other podcaster, so that we can be found in the sea of podcasters and all of the people who are who are listening and putting out podcasts. So thank you so much. But if you've already left a review, you can take a screenshot of that review. You don't have to write a new one if you don't want to, but you may want to. And here is why. Because each review you leave is an entry. It is. Each five-star review you leave is an entry. So there you go. Also, I do want you to email it to me because that's how I'm going to be able to email you your party favor if you're the one who's chosen. Another great question. What is your personal style or do you go with what catches your eye? And then it goes on to say, do you ever change things up as you go or do you do an entire room makeover? Ooh, this is a great one. What is my personal style? As corny as it sounds, but this is exactly what I teach. It is Danny. My personal style is Danny. And what that looks like when you come into my home is a cohesive color palette that is largely neutral so that I can bring color in and infuse color into all the spaces. So when I teach about color palettes and I say have a, a percentage ratio, my 60% is my foundational color, which is a light, light, light gray, almost white. And then the color, the accent color is actually color. <laughs> I have pinks, I have yellows, I have greens, I have blues, I have aquas. I tend to favor blues because I love the way that blue contrasts with the warmth of wood. And I do have wood accents, but if there's not really a an easy design word. And I know that's so tempting for all of us to say, oh, I'm farmhouse or, oh, I'm Scandinavian. I have, to be quite honest, actually both of those. I have a homemade bespoke <laughs> farmhouse table. It is um, a little bit on the rustic side, handmade by Mr. Fig and Farm. I have 
a couch that is very Scandinavian styled. It has very sleek lines. I have some mid-century styled armchairs. But the thing that makes them all work together is the way that they are cohesive with the other design elements throughout the space. So the colors are repeating, the wood tones are repeating, the baskets are repeating, the faux fur is repeating. There's a lot of different things that are repeating. And so when I say it's Danny, there's a touch of whimsy. I have black and white striped curtains. I have really fun, bold color word art. I love sourcing art at Etsy on or at little cute uh, boutiques or places where we've traveled. And I curate, uh, or I create, I should say, a lot of my own things. So if you were to walk through my home, you would see in the very first room, you would see a handmade, of course, this is again by Mr. Fig and Farm, but designed by me, almost floor to ceiling bookshelf. You would see a, um, a French provincial glass coffee table, and then you would see an Ikea sideboard. <laughs> so there's a lot of mixing and matching, but it all flows together because of the repeated elements. There is some whimsy to it. There's an inside black door rather than a white door because it's just a little bit different. There's an oversized, large, um, handmade piece of art that is a string art. Um, if you can imagine, I don't even know the measurements, it's up on the wall. And Mr. Fig and Farm, Greg, made me promise to hang it for at least a year. It has been there now for several. I love it so much, but it's on our dining room wall where those those uh, ceilings are really, really high. And so it takes up quite a bit of the wall space, but it's wood and it has little nails um, in the shape of a heart. And inside of that is a little nails again where it says love and then there's string that is going all throughout uh, the nails and intertwining its stringer and it's quite lovely anyway I don't know if that answers your question but it really is me and the design elements that that you would be able to see from one vantage point to the other are unified and that is what makes it work together so there's no easy answer to say, oh, I'm nautical. Okay, definitely not. Oh, I'm traditional. Definitely not. I'm mid-century. Mm, not really. I'm farmhouse. Uh, just a teeny. It's very much me. And the biggest compliment I can ever get is, oh my gosh, this looks just like you. Fun, playful, vibrant, cozy. It looks just like me. And so that is the biggest compliment I can get. Now, the other part of the question was, do you ever change things up as you go or do you do an entire room makeover? I do both. And because I've honed in on my design aesthetic so well, I can change things up as I go. And sometimes that looks like me getting the itch to just make a little switch. And I can do that room to room to room. I might go and borrow some pillows from my bedroom and put them in the living room or vice versa. Or I might go borrow some pillows from the front room and bring them into my bedroom. You get the idea. But each room is so very much me that I'm able to play a little bit that way. But the other thing too is because I do like to change things up as I go, oftentimes when I go thrifting for the shop where I, I have the brick and mortar, oftentimes I'll find things that I think, oh my goodness, this is so cute. And I have the liberty of having it in my home for a little while until I'm either ready to 
take it to the shop. Or if it doesn't sell at the shop, I can bring it home and I can have it live with me for a little bit. And that's one of the things too about sourcing things for the shop is that it is very much me there too. Every once in a while, there's um, an outlier. There currently is one right now, a green dresser that's not quite my style, but it sure is cute. But that wouldn't necessarily live well in my home, but pretty much everything that's in there would live just as well in my home as it does at the shop because that style is the same. But I do get the itch to do room makeovers. And it is generally what I've noticed about me is I've lived in this house for what will be going on 12 years um, this September. And I have, when we first moved in, we painted it with haste. We did lots of little things with haste. We bought cheap little Ikea furniture quickly. We did the things that we needed in order to make it functional. But over time, that function turned into a little bit more of intentionality and each space slowly has been taking shape and taking shape and taking shape. And I have redone, you know, I've I've pretty much touched every single space in the home, including my closet. I put wallpaper in my closet, but there's some rooms now where I've now touched them two times. Just recently, I redid Owen's bedroom. It was the nursery when we moved in, and poor Owen. (laughs) And nursery, it was cute. It had gray and white striped walls, but he, you know, he's 16, and he needed to have something a little bit bigger, and oh, it is so adorable. It has um, some vertical shiplap wall um, with a little bit of, like, board and batten detailing. If you can picture that, it's dark, dark, dark green, and then we have a built-in Um, bookcase made from little Ikea side tables and stand-up bookshelves that are sitting on top of it, and a long piece of wood that's stretching from both units, which are now flanking the window. So are you picturing that? And that is also deep, deep, deep green. Um, And that, that came out of necessity first, because Owen needed a bed. And so when a necessity, when there's something that Uh, necessitates change. That is the thing that drives me forward into the remodel or the redo. I don't, we haven't remodeled anything. We've just redone it. Last summer, if you followed along on my journey for redoing the laundry room, that was a whole room makeover all on $400, but it was needed because my laundry system was broken. And so I designed a space where we built some stackable Uh, shelves for laundry bins. And that then grew into, well, I'm already doing this, I'm going to paint it, and then I'm going to build the board and batten wall. And then I'm going to bring in the art, which most of it I had because I was working on a very strict budget. So yes, I do a little bit of both. But because my style is so honed in, and I know I gravitate to black and white stripes. I gravitate towards hobnail. I gravitate towards basket. I gravitate towards faux fur, clean lines, brass. I gravitate towards all of those things. It is very easy to then buy the one pillow that will just kind of change things up here and there. So really great, great question. This question is, do you have a favorite project that you've designed? And the answer is, you know what? 
Yes, I mean, I really get invested in all of the projects. But the thing that sticks out for me more than the designs that I do are the people that I work with. And it is such a blessing to, and and really quite an honor to be invited into people's homes, whether it's virtually or in person, because that's a really vulnerable space. And so I hold that very sacred. It is such an honor to, to have that invitation. And I never want anyone to feel bad about their homes ever, ever, ever. And my only goal is for them to feel like they are comfortable Um, kind of like they're comfortable in their own skin. I want them to feel that way about their homes. And when I have people say, oh, I cleaned up for you. Oh, please don't. I actually don't want you to. Because it just, um, I'm not looking at that. I'm really invested in the person. And if I can help them beautify their home or make it more functional, that is the goal. And so when I say things to you guys on the podcast about, do you want to be a design bestie? I really really mean that? Do you want to be a design bestie? Do you want to be invested in this journey together? Because, you know, I look at the world kind of like that is a friend I haven't met yet. I really truly do. In fact, my husband teases me because when I go on plane rides, sometimes I like when I go alone because I really love trying to, and I'm one of those annoying people, you guys. So if you ever sit next to me on the plane, it might be me. But I love talking to the person next to me. The world is full of just a variety and interesting, interesting people. And if we're open to that, it just makes your world and your experience so much richer. And I delight in that. And so when I say, do you want to be a design bestie? I really, truly mean it. Mean it. Hey, do you want to be a design bestie? I would love that because it is the people that matter more and it's um, them that I remember, quite honestly. So yes, but to tell you which designs, I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) It is the people and there are some pretty special ones I've worked with over the years. Oh, so exciting. Okay, this little party favor is actually two because this is my two-year podcast anniversary. So I am giving away two one-hour decorating SOS coaching calls. So what that looks like, again, you enter the same way, like I explained before, you leave a five-star written review, take a screenshot, share it in an email, hello at figandfarmathome.com. All of that information, by the way, will be in the show notes. But the decorating SOS calls are one hour, and these are actionable steps. We actually cover quite a lot of ground in one hour, where you come prepared. We do an interview beforehand where it's all electronic, so you do it on Google Forms. You send it to me with some pictures, maybe an inspiration photo if you have it, and then we have a chat, and that chat is so action-packed. You get step-by-step ideas for Um, after hearing what it is you want to do with your room, the direction you want to go, the budget you have, and then we take it away. We give you action steps to move forward so that you can create a home that you just delight in. So I'm giving away two of those, which is awesome. Now remember, you have more than one chance to win. If you are able to leave um, multiple five-star reviews, fantastic. This question I get all the time. I get it from people I meet in person. I get it from people online. I get it from my coaching staff. I get it from a lot of people. And the question is, 
how do you manage it all? How do you, what do you do in a day? <laughs> and you you can guess, right? There was a lot of things. So simply put, my days vary. Each day is very different and it's different because I have different tasks and different times set aside to manage each thing. Now, let me, I'm going to give you a visual here. So Fig and Farm at home is, is the brand. And underneath that brand, I have about four different elements for teaching and serving all of you. One of which is the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, by the way. Another is my shop. And you hear me talk about my brick and mortar shop. That is a local shop where it is thankfully not owned by me, but I rent a booth inside of it. So I am responsible for making um, it cute, merchandising it, uh, curating product new or used, um, creating things if I want to create things. But basically, it's a curation. Now, I do have really great support staff there who, if I am busy doing all the things I'm about to tell you, then they, and if something sells, they take over and they make it really cute. um, And I trust them to do that. And then I have uh, my design services. So where I don't necessarily teach you, but I do it for you. Some people just would rather have it done for them. And that's okay. And there are, of course, different packages because every home is different. Every need is different. Functionality is different and, and price points are different. So there's lots of options between, um, low price point and Hey, just do it all for me. Will (laughs) you? And then the fourth one is my, my course, my courses. And those right now are not activated. They are going to be reactivated in August, but that's where you can learn independently. That's where I've deep dived into some of the tutorials for you. And I've taught you how to do things, um, in order to decorate your home. And then we have the big course, Home Design 101, where you can literally learn how to, from the beginning, go through the design process and learn on your own so that you're not beholden to someone doing it for you every time you want to make a change. So there are those four little things underneath the umbrella. Okay, now that's a lot, right? It's a lot to manage. (laughs) Now, the beauty of all of this is that there are days where or there are times when times are busier than others. So I can expect that for the shop, for instance, I'm going to, or I want to re-merchandise about once a month. I'm going to have a busier season around Christmas, around those big shopping seasons. Designing for clients, that ebbs and flows. So sometimes it's busier than others. And And then, of course, there's a podcast that happens weekly. So how I manage it, and this works so well with my personality because I do like to vary things greatly. So it looks different on a Monday than it does on a Friday. But for example, you'll notice if you ever want to book a decorating SOS call with me, I only have two days available where I take calls. And that's very intentional because those days are set aside for that, quite honestly, where Mondays or Wednesdays, those are set aside for podcasting and all the jobs that I have to do in order to produce a podcast. I have to write the notes. I have to record it. I have to publish it. I have to do the marketing 
I have to do the Pinterest pin. I have to do all the little things that go into that. And so I try to set that as my Monday task. Tuesdays are design clients and checking in at the shop. Wednesdays are again, podcast related. So maybe I'm writing the blog this time that went with the podcast. Thursdays, design clients, and then Fridays are my big project days. And my big project days, those are fun. That's either where I go out and I I source items for my shop. I go down and redo my shop. Maybe it's something where I'm taking some time to create art or I'm really focusing on the project where I'm working on redoing a dresser, for example, which is what I'm currently working on in the garage. So it does vary widely. And there are times, yes, you can imagine it. There are times when I have to focus my energy and attention on one aspect a little bit more than another. Now, will this always be the same? Probably not. As I grow, as I continue to grow in my business, I'll probably streamline a little bit more. I'm looking to hire someone to help support me Um, creating some of the things that support the podcast, even the blog. So as I, as I'm getting a little bit uh, more traction, I'm allowing myself the freedom to free up time and space, but family for me always comes first. So that is definitely something where, you know, if there's a day that I'm scheduled to work, I'm scheduled to do an interview, I'm scheduled to do something, but there's a field trip for my kiddo guess which one I'm going to choose? I'm going to choose my kiddo. And that will always be, this is the the whole reason why I chose not to go back into teaching full time and chose to do something on my very own, even though it's really hard (laughs) sometimes, but it is very rewarding as well. And it allows me to have that time flexibility. And then of course, all of that is scheduled into time blocks, which allow me to be done so that I can coach and then be done with work, hopefully work for the day by 4.30. So I do try to optimize and manage and systemize and all all those buzzwords, my time so efficiently so that I'm able to coach and then be done so that I can then spend the evenings with the people I love the most. All right, we are going to end on this one. Otherwise, we're going to be here all day. (laughs) But you keep sending in those questions, and I will make sure I set them aside so that if you ever want a behind-the-scenes sneak peek again at how Fig and Farm works, I will be happy to answer them. All right, this one came in today from the cutest, sweetest, teeny tiny neighbor right next door who always pops over when my garage door is open. She was having her little Slurpee and she was wondering what it was I was working on. Well, I'm working on redoing a dresser, an Ikea dresser. Some people like to call it a hack. I like to call it an updo. Whatever it is, I'm working on it. And I was working on it today and she asked me this question. She said, how many pieces of furniture have you redone? And I... And then she asked if I remember my first one. Yes to the the second question. I don't know for the first one. There was a time, so I started Figan Farm, which is the brick and mortar store. I started that when Charlie was two. He was two years old and he is now 12 and very teenagey. So that's been 10 years. And when I first started Figan Farm, I didn't have a brick and mortar. I had my garage 
And I thought once I moved into the brick and mortar, my garage would be free from all the things. I'm so sorry, Mr. Fagan Farm. It is not. It is still housing uh, inventory. It is still housing projects to do for the shop. And I do have a storage unit that holds those things too. So lots of inventory to be had. But I started selling at vintage markets and I did that for several years I remember taking Charlie and Henry when they were little. They were my helpers. I would rent the U-Haul. We would go there. I'd have a friend drive um, drive either my kiddos in the, in the van or me in the U-Haul or whatever. And we would go to the show and they would just help carry one little thing at a time. <laughs> well, I was pushing the really heavy low loader into, into this space and it just be it was too much work it was too much work and so I decided that that wasn't worth my time and it really even though they're fun and I love the people interaction part of vintage markets it just was too much work and and that's when I decided to look into a brick and mortar got one and I've been there I think about eight years which is surprising we've had now the second owner and things are going well. Now in that time from beginning to now in those 10 years, I have done a lot of furniture. I I don't even know a quantity. There were times when furniture was selling like hotcakes. I would get a piece of furniture. I would redo it. I would put my best effort into it. I would bring it in and it would sell the next day. And which is a wonderful thing to have happen. But but now, for whatever reason, furniture is selling at a slower pace. Maybe people are doing it themselves. I sure hope so. It's really fun. It's an, an attainable project. And it is um, something that is an affordable way to redo your space. I don't know if that's why. Maybe the economy. Who knows? But furniture isn't going as quickly as it once did. So I am slowing down in the production of it. By production, I don't mean I'm building things. I'm just refinishing it. Maybe I'm sanding it. Maybe I'm painting it. Maybe I'm staining it. Maybe I'm adding, for this piece of furniture, I'm adding a faux front to my drawers, which is really fun. I'm super excited about. Um, But each of those pieces of furniture are and have gotten some sort of um, updo from me. There's only been a few where I have found them and taken them directly into the shop, as is. The rest of them, they've had some sort of personalization by me. And again, a lot of them, most of them, are things I would have in my own home. So, question, I don't know. I, I would say over 100. I've done over 100 pieces of furniture. Um, And then you add the small accessories like lamps, like vases, like things like that. I don't know. We're in the hundreds. We're in the hundreds. So when I say, hey, learn how to paint furniture, furniture 101, it's in the vault. I might have a little bit of experience to teach you. (laughs) And it is such a great way to learn and to exercise that skill and to redo your home without painting the walls. So always a great option. Now, the first... um, piece do I remember it yes I do I was living in Iowa we were living in our first little duplex and I was teaching we didn't have any kiddos and I had my grandpa's desk and it was all wood deep drawers a fine desk but I really wanted to 
change it up a little bit. So I painted it. I don't remember the paint I used. I have no idea. I got it at a hardware store, but it wasn't latex. It was meant for furniture. I distressed it. I changed out the handles and it is currently living in our living room. I just recently, this um, late winter, I recently redid our living room. Just a quick refresh, not a whole room redo, but just a quick little paint, paint a wall refresh. And I took out the desk that was there, sold it on Facebook Marketplace to subsidize what I was doing, and I put in Grandpa's desk, and it looks so good. It looks like it was meant there, meant for that space, and I'm so happy I made that change. So yes, first piece of furniture, I still have it. It is sitting front and center in our living room. All right, friends, that is it for the questions, but if you have more send them away. I'm an open book. I really love to engage with all of you. It really is the thing that makes this kind of weird job not so weird. You know, I sit behind my mic all the time, multiple times a week in order to speak to all of you. And though I have met some of you, I haven't met most of you. And it is, it just delights me more than you know to hear from you, whether it's an email, to see the reviews come in that are positive. Yes, I have had some that aren't so positive, but I do delight in hearing from all of you and learning what it is you want to learn, seeing your projects when you do them, hearing about the way that you've transformed a space. It really is delightful for me to know that the thing that I feel called to do, the mission I feel called to serve to all of you is um, being appreciated. And I don't know about that if, if the audience is silent. So when you reach out, it just makes me so incredibly thankful, so incredibly grateful for all of you and excited to keep on creating. Now, with that said, we have our last party favor, and this is for all of you. Today through next week, June 22nd, all of the done for you design services are 20% off. You can find my design suite online at figandfarmathome.com. There are three services listed available, but here's the thing. Design is completely unique to you and your family and your family's needs. And sometimes design needs to be a la carte. So if you don't see what it is you need or what it is you want, send me an email, ask away. Sometimes we create based on the need rather than the pretty little package. So book your design service between now and June 22nd for the opportunity to work with me for 20% off. The other giveaways, they are going to be open for the same amount of time. So they are open now, June 15th to June 22nd, and they're going to stay open and you will be emailed privately if you are the selected winner. So I'm so rooting for you. And here's my word of encouragement. Some of you may think, gosh, I would love that, but I never win anything. You never know. You never know. Why would it not be you? It could very well be you. If you want that $50 gift card to Target, or if you want one of those hour-long coaching calls, why not? Why shouldn't it be you? So make sure you pop in there, leave a five-star written review over on Apple Podcast, take a screenshot, and send it to me over at hello at figandfarmathome.com for your chance to win one of our three party favors. 
All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed today's fun celebration episode. And if you did, leave me a comment so that I know that we can do it again sometime and leave a question too. In the meantime, and until next time, I will see you soon.